Hi, my lovelies. Oh, little honey, come here. I got my little pussycat next to me here. All right. Welcome to the Kings and Queens podcast, where I am going to talk about kings and queens and all things surrounded around that topic. I've been on a amazing journey. <laughs> There's mango behind you. I've been on this amazing journey of uh, discovery. Basically, had no idea about our past history, the significance of kings and queens in our world for for millennia, and then the significance of uh, the different kingdoms that occurred throughout history. It's we've been on a wild ride. If you start to look back into history, you'll you'll see the, the most amazingness that has happened. I was just looking at the Babylonians and looking at their king list, and I think they started 2500 BC and went to a couple of hundred AD. So they've got like a list of kings, I would say maybe 50 different kings over that time. And this appeared to be a system that was successful right we had a we have a uh, a system that lasted for over two and a half maybe three thousand years like that is worthy of looking into and it's like how did they design this world this society how did they design this society to function for such a long time and my belief is that f to design a system a society it has to be successful otherwise it will fail obviously right it has to have this uh, happiness index the people have to have been loving their civilization, their society. Otherwise, it would fail. And like we can see examples of where we've had dictatorships, or we've had, even you could say, democracy. Right now, it's you know it's only two hundred years old, three hundred years old, and it's failing. It's failing right now. We can see it. It's written all over the, uh, all over the news in the world. We have these leaders that are not representing the people, and they're just not very good leaders. They are, they are not showing the type of leadership which I would expect for uh, our representatives of our country. And this has gotten me into this topic of what is a good leader? And I really want to talk about that t today as well. So yeah, we're like, how do we find our our leaders? And at the moment, the system seems to be very flawed. Because, okay, we have a democratic system. We have elections. People have a choice to choose their leader. But the way the the whole system is now... I don't think we ever really get to know our leader before we get to choose. And it usually comes down to two. You've got one, this option or this option. 
to me that is a problem. I do like the US, how they'd have their, uh, for their leadership, they have debates. And you can get a little bit of an understanding of who that the leader is and the qualities. But it's very hard to really know who they are because you, you just, they put on a persona. And that persona is created by marketers, by propagandists. Like these, there's people around every politician now telling them how to behave, what they can and can't do. So we never truly get to see the, the trueness of our leader. I love the idea of, like, now we have the, the ability to, to get to know our leaders more. Like, why not have a reality show of the leader? Get that camera to follow that, your potential leader around all the time. Why not? Let's get to know the, the heart of our leader. Let's really get to know them. Like, to me, that's paramount. And that's one thing I've realized from looking in history is that the leader of your country or kingdom or village is the most important decision you can make. It's the most important. Because if you don't have a leader with the right heart, then things go downhill quickly. Now I'll give you an example, like why would a good leader with a, like a, a good heart, when I say good heart, I mean a light heart. So I love the, you know, the, the analogy of the, the Book of the Dead where they, they weigh the heart and they see if the heart is of equal weight to a feather. Now for me that means of equal weight to God. Like that feather represents God, the all. And that all is simply goodness, doing good, loving. This is what we're here for. Like, like if, you, if your heart weighs with God, that means that you have a certain disposition which you would say is it's enlightened it's like what jesus talked about in the bible do good to others what's another one <laughs> uh turn your cheek your other cheek like always being kind always sharing like there all these qualities of jesus is who we want in a leader right that's and that that is where jesus was a king you know i i think we've lost that significant connection we see jesus as a good person enlightened person who attained uh wisdom but we don't see him as a leader we don't see him as someone who is sitting on a throne and leading his people, like and making tough decisions and 
sometimes, I guess, having to defend and go to war and do things that may not be from, you know, like, if if you've got a kingdom, best way to I think of it is if you've got a kingdom that is one of love and joy and bliss, and then you've got another kingdom who are, you know, evil bastards, not kind to their women, you know, they, they, their life, view on life is wrong and it's degrading to others and it pulls humanity down, then then I feel like it's okay to challenge that. Like that's, this is where the, you could say it gets into the Bible and like good and bad and this light and dark. But yeah, it's, when there's, when there's this kingdom, like Jesus, you think of Jesus' kingdom, it would be based on lightness. He's not going to have tax collectors collecting from people who can't afford it, right? He's gonna have pe- he's gonna have policies which look after the people. So if then you've got another kingdom wanting who have many prisons and lock their p- their people up and treat their people like shit <laughs> and slave their people and like it's more like the people in power are simply greedy and unkind then yeah they need to be challenged so you can still be and I the, a great <laughs> analogy I s- on TikTok I saw a was of a monk talking about in in this world in on earth we need to have a buddha heart but a devil fist right we have to have both to be able to move through this world. And that's the reason that is, is because there are dark, uh, dark belief systems. There's dark people, there's demons. There are those things uh, in the world. So if you, if you encounter that darkness, with light so you're using your Buddha heart but you must sometimes use your devil fist right otherwise you're gonna with the Buddha fist you're gonna get walked all over and this is where the king or our leaders it's up to them to have the ability to make those right important decisions right so if we've got a leader who like like Australian politician and if that like I don't know them I don't know their heart so when they have to make a decision for the good of humanity which is what it should all be about that is the reason we have is to make humanity better Right, make humanity more conscious to enlighten our people to celebrate life to you know like and I don't we've lost that path and it's because our leaders have been wrong 
They've made decisions throughout the last couple of hundred years uh, that has taken us off track and we've lost our priority, which is you know, the betterment of our world. The betterment of our world and the betterment of the people in our world, which entails the betterment of the world. Because if we're, if we're loving and kind and care about everyone around us. We also then care about nature. We start to think about everything. We, we include everything in our thoughts and our decisions because you're conscious of that. If, you've not, if you're totally disconnected from nature and you are a leader who needs to make a decision on putting a dam here, they're getting a lot of pressure from for the economics but you you also need to have that heart and connection with nature and then you can make a true decision you've got to have the full the full balance which th is why these kings of the past they were priest kings or the warrior priest kings like these guys were fucking good they were warriors. They got on the battlefield and led their people. They were priests. So they were conscious. They had healed themselves of their traumas. Jealousy. Envy. Uh, greed. Those things are not leadership skills. And by doing the spiritual path, you realize that, that those things don't matter, right? So you have to have leaders who are highly conscious. And that's why I love, like Joe Rogan talks about, you know, every leader should do a five grams of mushrooms in silent darkness, as Terence McKenna would always quote, and I, I think that should be part of it, right? Plant medicines, like all our leaders, need to have be like spiritual. They have to have connected deep into themselves and to nature and and the the whole divine, right? They have to know it, otherwise. They're going to make the wrong decisions. So that's why the kings of the past, they had the, they were priest kings, but they were warrior kings. And I would argue that spir the spiritual path makes you a warrior. Like, for example, uh, like the Sumerai. The Sumerai, it was a spiritual path. And when they one of the key spiritual things they needed to learn to be the best samurai was to lose the fear of death right that's a spiritual you have to work you got to do the work to come to that realization that death is just a inevitability and that we are on this long journey of 
growth and learning and adventure. And every life is what it is. And so you start to make the decision to live life because once you're not afraid of death, then you you live. And a Sumerai who had to go in battle without fear is the most powerful Sumerai. Right? Just in the moment, they're just in the moment, they're a warrior. This is so they've done they've done spiritual training. None of our politicians are spiritual. None of them are I guarantee very few have done any psychedelics. And it really is a essential because it there's so much to learn there. How can how can our leaders make proper decisions without having to have had experienced psychedelics? Like it opens your world. So yeah, we're that's a fault. And it's it of our current system. And so it's like, well, what's a better system? Like, how do we do it? How do we do it? And to me, it keeps coming back to the, the idea of kings and queens. Right? It's almost like God, with the Sumerians, gave us uh, a system. He said, this is your system. This is how nature flows. Nature flows in a king, queen at the top with absolute power to rule the people. And all the people fall in, they fall where they need to fall. What is their role? But it's all one organism and I love the idea of it being like a hive like a beehive. This is our natural system. Right? You want to build a system, a society that is naturally flowing so you don't have to have rules. Right? You have to have freedom, no no walls, no barriers. So if someone right at the bottom who's just entered the the tribe who's just green to everything could stay there or rise to be king right that or queen that's the type of freedom that you need to have everyone will though fall into where they want it their vibration right the ancients talk is it one of the Egyptians or the Israelites who became a he was washed down the river and was recovered and became a king he was like a, a slave baby they said so they had these systems in the past where there was the freedom to move like I, I don't believe what we're told I don't believe that there were slaves in these kingdoms Everyone was a free man. Everyone was a free man. And they were allowed to move to where they felt their vibration. So if you were an artisan, you would move and go and do art. But if you wanted to move away from that, you could. This is 
like this is freedom and then it gives everyone all humans a passion for life because if people can move and, and experience and learn and grow and celebrate and all on their own decision where you where do I want to go now and you're allowed it allows this freedom that is the natural system it's the hive system but we have a really negative idea on the idea of kings and queens and I agree I had the same feeling like I, I had this understanding for, for a while but then I, it just didn't make sense to me didn't make sense because how can a if the kings and queens so bad how come the system continued on like why do the people even now like I remember my grandmother bless her soul she was an amazing woman and I wish I could talk to her now actually that would be nice what knowing what I know now and who I am I would love to speak to my nana and my mom and my sister <laughs> yeah uh, no I just forgot where I was at about the kings almost where's Jamie tell me what I was talking about I need someone to remind me So kings, yeah, okay, kings and queens. The thing is that we all have this negative in idea of them. They're ugly. Like I saw something today, you know, King Henry VIII. He's portrayed as this big fat, not, you know, overweight man. Was he really like that? I believe there's very few... Well, there's no portraits of him. It's all like a, like someone has removed all those portraits. I believe the kings were good-looking, good-looking roosters because you need to be good-looking and have charisma and to for people to want to be around you. You've got to have that charismatic nature. Otherwise, you're not a king. You have to have a certain je ne sais quoi as they say right you've got to have it and if you didn't have it your kingship wouldn't last someone else would come up and take over and usually it meant you have to take over with one army against the other but maybe that's okay right if the king has lost his rule if he has become corrupted, then it's okay to remove them. And I saw that in China, in the dynasties, because the idea of a king is that he's chosen by God. It's called the divine right of kings. Right. Chosen by God. So it, it means that he has a good heart, and he's actually, you could almost say, he's being channeled by God. If he's open he's spiritual he's just like flowing as a king and making all the right decisions and the idea is that if you have a king who is 
has the divine right, that's the kingdom you want to be in. Because all the battles he goes in, wi- he wins. The crops are plentiful because he has God on his side. You know, there's no drought, there's no pestilence. This is the thing that uh, the ancients believed. You have the right king, and then good flows from there. And so, yeah, the, the Chinese dynasty, they had a dynasty, maybe the Han dynasty, for like uh, 30 kings, f- 50 kings, and then the dynasty started to become corrupted. Which would be a real challenge, you, you could imagine. you having children, they're being born into royal thri- royalty. You know, they could, if they're not trained correctly, they could really uh, lose their royal t- heart. And so there must be a way to train these children into the arts of k- being a king and queen. But yeah, it's the most important thing. And it's funny because I see in history it's been removed. And I think that's the reason. is because our natural system is king and queen. The hive system, just like ants, just like bees, and probably so many other different large quantities of people or ants or like the system, the natural system of law, L-O-R-E, is kings and queens... And then you have your uh, council. You have 12 wise people. And then you have, it flows down from there. And so the figureheads, the king and queen, who are a divine couple, right? They're uh, both highly enlightened and they both love each other. To me, that would be the perfect kingdom with the feminine you've got to have the feminine the masculine it needs to be balanced for true rulership to occur yeah and so by having the the right people in power so uh, it's not going to work and this is where it's failed in the past kingdoms is because they get bad rulers right they get bad rulers those bad rulers it all flows down and you can see see it happening in the US I can see it in Australia like I I always remember when George Bush was elected and there was something that he said right off the bat that to me was just it degraded and it allowed the people of the U.S. to behave in that way. Like he didn't hold a high level of morality. He dropped it, which allowed everyone else t- to go to that level of mal- r- morality. And, uh, and it was something to do with... Oh, I really can't remember now. But yeah, I, I distinctly remember that. It was like, oh man, he's just like allowed people in the U.S. to behave that way. So it, it, it all 
comes from your le- your leaders. And we have been programmed to think that the, all those kings and queens, especially if you give someone absolute power, that's dangerous. And of course it's dangerous because you give it to the wrong person. And then you can say, well, how do you know who the right person is? Aha! Freaking good question. Good question. <laughs> because there's... I feel like this has been hidden to us, hidden from us in history as well. We're not, there's very little information. And I've been on a uh, search for that information. How do you choose a king? What are you looking for in a king and a queen? What are you looking for? And there's, the interesting thing is, is if you realize that the most important thing in a civilization is your rulers right probably because the Egyptians had 3,000 plus years to work on this right they realized that the rulers were the most important thing you have to have the right people and so they did create a system of king and queenship selection and this is this is where it like blows my mind because I've I've been looking into this in Egypt looking for these clues on what makes a king and a queen and it's like the I think they've got it all wrong I know they've got it all wrong. The Egyptians and all the West, the whole world has got it wrong in Egyptology. <laughs> I can't believe I even stumbled across this. It's like, what? It's To me, it's in, it's clear, but I, uh, the reason why I see it is because I'm coming from a totally different world and I'm coming from living in a community and looking at how do you create the best society and then going into history and then like I'm I'm not I'm not uh, clouded by other people's thoughts yeah so yeah the book of the dead it's not the book of the dead it's the book of selecting kings and queens I'll say it right here and it's clear that when they say that that Osiris is sitting there it's not it's the king is sitting there the gods if you start to look at the the images or the murals murals interesting mural so the murals if you look at the murals they uh, show the journey of the king and queen and they show the gods approving of the king, right? They show that, that, and the weighing of the heart is the weighing of the king's heart and the queen's heart. Like, I don't think the Egyptians really cared about the dead. Like, if, what I'm knowing in spirituality which I always 
have the cause. I don't really know anything. This is just my hunch. Okay, I will never know everything. And so I'm just putting bits pieces of the puzzle together. And these are my ideas. And I want other people to hear them and consider it. Be open-minded. Because, yeah, this is... This is, it's dangerous information because it can change our whole civilization, our whole world and the way we live. It can change everything. So and that's why I believe this information has been hidden from us for so long. Deliberately. We are, as humans, the human species lives in a, the most optimum society is one similar to the bees and a really interesting fact that like the the Merovingians their symbol was the bee and there's very little information on these guys they start they were the beginning of the Frankish Frankish Empire they united the Gauls and the Frank tribes after the Roman Empire finished which the Romans were never able to do. And that's a whole nother podcast on Rome and, and the barbarians, you know, the, the struggles between the two. So yeah, the, the Merovingians, their symbol was the bee. And they were around for about 250 years they had, I think they had three or four kings and they were known as the long-haired kings the kings would have up to four wives and they there was one king who had four four boys from the four wives which is very interesting because if you look at revelations or the bible not revelations the bible uh the israelites is it David or Jacob had four wives and 12 children and they all became the tribes of Israel but he had four wives so the Merovingians went back to that they had four wives for a while and at one one king actually had his four firstborn sons who then he like he united the whole empire pretty much all of Europe and then split each segment into four pretty sure it was four segments and each son ruled over it so there were many kingdoms and by all means by my understanding it went really well but there's very little information there's almost none the, the main account is from a, a Roman church official priest who wrote it 200 years later and he, if you read that, it's got such a negative spin on the Merovingians, right? There's something in that, in the Merovingians and the way they live. But they were the first Franks, and for me, a telltale of who they were as people is, you know, the term that's still in our language now, to be frank, to be frank means to be truthful and to me that tells me that the king was truthful 
and the king made it that everyone was truthful. So yeah, the the biggest secret to this world is that someone has been trying to hide this information on kings and queens and how we find them and how we select them. Because if you get a good one, like Solomon, he created immense riches for his kingdom. Immense. Why is that? Because he was chosen by God. So you have to have someone who's enlightened in charge. Right? Enlightened to a certain point that they... And the powers of enlightenment, the powers of uh, being that priest. Like you've heard of like intuition, uh, reading people's thoughts, just knowing truth over bullshit. All these things come with being more spiritual. You're connecting more into the divine. And that information is there. That's the type of ruler, leader you need. And I, like going back to democracy, because this is the claim, the modern, most modern, uh, new earthers, people wanting to change things and build communities and come together, is, y you know, you don't have anyone in charge. You only have, uh, you have a committee, and a committee, 12 people on a committee, and they'll work through every issue. But it's flawed because if there's a disagreement, there's no one to overrule everyone. Like, you have to have that f someone with a final say. They have to, that final say needs to be there. But for 98% of decision making, it's done by the committee and there's no issues. But you need to have that final judge. And this was also a learning for me about kings and queens, is that their role is to judge. That's really it, is to judge, make decision, and make the right decisions. They have people around them that do all the... the uh, all the other running of the country, the kingdom. But they need to be there to judge at certain times. You know, maybe there's a shortage of something and a big decision needs to be made. Someone needs to go and speak to somebody. It's like, well, that's the king's role. He'll go and negotiate peace over there. Right, the important, really high-level stuff where his kingship and his position of power is very helpful in negotiations yeah because he's the king his whole people love him and love her yeah I guess that's uh, something I need to clarify like when I say king there's it's funny because I believe that the Egyptians had queen kings a king is simply a, s a s the highest 
position. So it doesn't have to be a male or a female. It can either be either either or, as long as the leader is the right one. Is is being guided by God. Yeah, so I've I've been on this journey, and the reason why I've been on this journey is because I found myself uh, being the king of uh, community. (laughs) Yeah, and we had, we built it from basically the start of COVID. I quit my, I finished my job as an engineer in the oil and gas industry and had bought the land five, six years earlier and had been building the shed where where I'm sitting right now and had then expanded and used volunteers and then that we built a, a like a communal area with all the volunteers and then once that space was ready we just got a huge influx of the most beautiful people from all over the world travelers and and then we had covid and we got lockdowns and people got covid and then we got in trouble with the shire we played our music too loud upset many people in the area <laughs> it's like and then just playing with all the energies of all the people getting to know so many wonderful souls and so many different experiences we had a stage in our we have a stage in our uh in our living space so we had so many like beautiful gatherings with people playing music dancing and yeah just it was magic you never knew what what it was gonna what was gonna happen every night was different so and so i've been this i've been learning about this how do you like that's been my question is like how do you structure a society or a community the best and i'm coming from a place where i've never really lived in community before so i'm fresh fresh and uh yeah open-minded but all i knew was i didn't want any rules (laughs) i wanted freedom freedom for everyone i wanted freedom i wanted people to have their individuality be who they want to be and i wanted people to find their passion that's that's i want everyone to find their passion and so by giving creating spaces in your community you create these spaces that allow people to be find their passion like we have a a yoga shala it's a dome it's pretty amazing and people have you can hang silks from there so yeah we got the silks there so that by having the silks someone can try it and there's always someone who knows how to use them so then they can do a they can put on a, a a training program a training course or just have one one day a week where they get everyone together and do different things there's so many you've just got to give people the opportunity the space and then they will create so yeah so i've been this like for the last three years and we've had all sorts of trouble (laughs) all sorts of issues all sorts of like it's been an amazing i keep saying that it's been an amazing journey i wouldn't change anything maybe a couple of things <laughs> but yeah um yeah because we had some we had a, a guy get burnt severely 
and he's still recovering. And I'd like, <laughs> there's just been some devilish things happen as well, and uh, it's been interesting. But for me, as a as the leader, it's been, yeah, I've been being tested to see where, what do I, how, how am I as a leader? And I've been really quite impressed with who I have been because I think having that spiritual background of groundedness that you hold that groundedness for everyone else as well and like we had the police gave us hassles for a while <laughs> yeah and like someone had to, s to be there and hold that groundedness and I was able to do that I was able to hold the joy through times of difficulty. Yeah. Even though my life, my personal life might have been a little bit more crazy at, at certain times as well, you know. Like, it's been... Wow. And then living in community. And, yeah. And and then having to talk to people if they've done something wrong. We had, I had to kick a few people out uh, until they, you know just just not fitting into the the communal way and upsetting people in certain ways and you know give people warnings and but i, f I feel everyone i want everyone to be able to come to a community to our community so you just c but some people just aren't ready it's probably the answer you're just not ready you need to go off on your journey and learn and grow and come back but it's amazing because people, even if they've just arrived for two weeks and, and it's not working for them, they still get something out of just living in a community. Yeah, so that that got me... Living in community is where I've gone with this. This is where my understanding of history has come from. And now knowing just how important it is for kings and queens to be the right ones we go with that system you then you've got to have the right ones and this is where it gets freaking amazing because there's such a thing as the Zenda dendara zodiac it's in dendara and it's a temple hathor temple check my notes because let's see here don't mind me checking I, need I will have one day someone who can look this up for me that would be cool because I like to sprout off stuff but I don't like to be wrong Hathor Temple at Dendera dedicated to Osiris and this is the interesting thing going back to the, the Egyptians who have just got it around the wrong way I would say deliberately we've been put off course deliberately uh, so Osiris is depicted as the king but when you if you twist your head around to think that the king the, the ones we claim as Osiris is actually the king then you start to see what's happening in, the, in these images. 
That's the process of king selection. And I have evidence to make all this uh, a reality. The Zodiac. I I had read a snippet from somewhere about like the Jews, the Israelites, like they had a, a line of kings for a while. They had so- Solomon was one of them. Saul, uh, a few others I don't remember, but they they had a line of kings, and they were. It said that the royal couple was only allowed to procreate in December. And Jan- I I think maybe January as well. It was like there's a period, and this is <laughs> the cool thing I just picked up yesterday. Like the Book of the Dead, they have a seventy days that the god would stay would be down like it's not the god it's the the royal couple 70 days they're making love living the dream getting everything they need so they can make a baby and i guess after that first period then it's the few days after or the the month and a half after where everyone is waiting for the to see if the queen is pregnant Right, it all makes sense. That's how it was w- to be to be to have a child, and the the thing is, is the child was to be born in Libra, the astrology sign, because the, that is one step you need in the selection of the right king, because the the Libran is balanced. He's a judge. He has certain character traits that make him a good king. The Libran. Like what? That's freaking amazing. And then on this temple, and it shows it in the in the zodiac. It shows a lion standing on a box, and the lion's looking back, and he's got his tongue out, which is really fascinating because this is like they think over two thousand years old, because. It's the same heraldic lion that the English Plantagenets used. The Plantagenets were a, a dynasty of kings, great kings, from after William the Conqueror to, I don't know, about 1350, and then there was it all got pretty messy. <laughs> and I think they lost their, their bloodline of kings. They were taken out or didn't have children or... I don't know the exact details, but the War of the Roses is part of this Plantagenet lineage having a a war with another over who was to be king. So the interesting thing is, though, is like I have evidence in the Dendra Zodiac to show that the Egyptians, that whole Zodiac, which no one's picked as this, so I don't know how, I don't know how, but it shows the lion, but then it shows for the queen, I assume the queen, there's the same box the lion's standing on, with three wavy lions, right, these wavy lions mean masculine and feminine, and all together means the bloodline of the king, right, grandma, uh, great-grandma, like, grandfather, boop, 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 boop. So yeah, so that 
they're showing it in the zodiac. This is what it's about: kings and queens, not book of the dead. You look at most archaeologists. If you, once you know this, that it's about kings and queens, selection. You listen to every archaeologist, and you realize they're talking fucking nonsense, and they don't even—they're lost. No one knows how to read hieroglyphs, <laughs> right? But if you know it's about kings and queens, you can start to see the images, and you start to understand. Ah, oh, okay, that's what that is. And there's a bit of education required, but the way that where they put all these things, the all the different god faces, and they all have a, a meaning, and we can interpret it. And I'd I'd love to actually make that a thing I would love to get some sort of chat going where we've got people sharing their wisdom about the zodiac or not the zodiac the, the hieroglyphs like sharing their what does each hieroglyph mean because I, I don't believe anything Egyptologists tell us now they're full of shit they, I, I believe that we have been deliberately misled down the Egypt path and because these guys were a fucking great civilization they had something very special thank god they built some pyramids because I think there's been a concerted effort to hide a lot of the information about these guys I think they were way greater than we could give them credit and so yeah, that let's. I want to. I want to do that. I want to learn more about hieroglyphs and start reading, rereading, reinterpreting what they say. It actually what what the you know Egyptologists tell us. So yeah, so the the zodiac says that Pisces is there's a box with the three wavy lines sitting there, which tells me that's where the the queen or the king needs to be it's all there you it shows the journey of the king and queen around the whole zodiac and i'm sure there's a lot more information in there that i haven't you know i, I haven't got but it's the story it's really fascinating and for some reason no one's looked at it mm, i get to be the lucky guy <laughs> So yeah, so we are Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's learn about hieroglyphs. Let's learn about Egypt. Let's re re rewrite Egyptian history. It's really interesting that Napoleon went there. He was a he was an interesting cat, Napoleon. Magical man. The power that he had like you could say that he had God on his side for a long time. He he was unbeatable in battles, and he made a lot of changes to the French. He uh, I believe he instigated a whole heap of laws, like good laws for France. So, and but he also went to Egypt, and that <laughs> like when he got to Egypt with his army, their fleet somehow got attacked by the English, got caught by the English, and they sunk the French fleet, which meant Napoleon couldn't leave Egypt, <laughs> right? 
and that in some ways i reckon that would have been napoleon would have been happy with that because he you have he became like his own emperor of a country but egypt could you imagine like anyway so he, yeah he he ruled egypt and instigated a whole kingdom and a society and i think it went pretty well for a while but yeah there was there was issues as well but yeah he during that time though they had a whole they deliberately they'd aimed to go there with because they had all the 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 top art uh archaeologists with them and they document so much about the the pyramids and and egypt and i have a feeling that if we hadn't have got that information we would have been in a world of trouble we would know nothing about the egyptians which makes me question how many civilizations don't we know about we know a little bit about the babylonians that's all this like someone's hiding history taking away our history because they don't want us to know about these beautiful kingdoms that existed all right unreal i'm good at talking i just realized because that's been going for an hour perfect i love to talk and i have much to say much love and yeah let's uh commune again tomorrow bye bye Hey!